I think the definition of greatness is to inspire the people next to you. It's how can you inspire a person to then in turn inspire another person. And that's how you create something that I think lasts forever. That's our challenge as people, is to figure out how our story can impact others and motivate them in a way to create their own greatness. on three podcast hosted by Hans, Evan, and Lou. Welcome to the three on three podcast. I'm your guy Hans here with my guy, Evan. Oh, it's not working today, man. Sorry. It's not working. Lou has been, Lou is triumphant. Oh, man. We're back. <laughs> also here with my main man, Lou. What's good, Lou? Hey, man. I'm hoping they're going to finally let me get that thumbs down on it. Hey, man. No. Nope. No. Nope. Hey, man. We're, we're still here. We're still here. Everything's uh, the same. Everything's the same here on the Studio 3 podcast. As always, uh, we have the Pod Mamba coaching us from the shadows, making sure we're on point. Y'all yeah, look insane doing these things, man. Y'all really do look insane trying to do these little <laughs> actions on the Zoom. Committed. committed. Y'all need to stop. Committed hey, to man. the foolishness. Hey, man, got to, got to. Committed to the foolishness, man, to the shenanigans. We have a great show in store for you guys today. Trade deadline. Some teams are playing chess. Some are playing checkers. Some are playing Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's so many different takes. Different teams are doing different things, and it may seem like nobody's on the same page. But we're gonna dive deep into it. It's so many, so many different takes that we can take. We are going to first talk about those we think won it, for you know, a lack of a better term, or those teams that we felt really put themselves in position to really improve by making some type of move from the trade deadline. Now, teams that come into mind are, of course, the one who's brandishing the name and the logo of his team on his chest right now, the Knicks, you know, you know, brush your shoulder off, F, you good, you good. I'm just, I'm just wearing clothes, sir. That's all. Oh, uh, hey, clothes. Oh, now he wants to be coy. All right, <laughs> you know, he's just that's just his swag, that's just natural drip for him, man. You know, oh, man. This, this is a it's a great looking blue on me. That's uh, orange, orange <laughs> tones bring out my orange tones. I like it, I like it, I like it. So, the Knicks, the Mavs, the Bucks, Philly, those are the ones that really kind of make some moves, and we're gonna dive into first to see who really won out of those teams. Now, we're gonna, of course, start with. On your chest, wearing it on your heart of the Knicks. And I'm going to go down and go over the trades that they made. So <clears throat> on this deadline, after making other trades to get OG and, you know, send the Maple Mamba back to Canada, the Knicks made a trade with the Pistons to get Alec Burks, uh, Bohan Bagnanovich, and the Pistons, they get Fournier. You finally let Evan go, huh? You let your boy go, man. 
Uh, I'm selling room for one Evan on this bandwagon. Oh, hey, I'm, gl- I'm glad you guys set him free. <laughs> Let set him. Thank you, because you weren't using him. Goodness gracious! Oh man, along with uh, uh, Malachi Flynn, Quentin Grimes, Ryan—I'm not even going to try to pronounce that last name—with uh, two future second-round picks and cash considerations. So, Ev, your take. How did your Knicks fare on this trade deadline? So I got to be honest, I'm very pleased with what the Knicks did. And you spelled it out the right way because you have to look over the trade season as a whole. So we get the early jump New Year's Eve by making a trade for OG uh, and Anobi solidifies the identity of the rotation. Uh, theoretically sets us up for like the next two to three years of our lineup. But uh, then you get uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, who not only do we get him, we keep him from other teams who who were interested in getting him. Um, facts, one like facts. Philly, for example. Uh, you get Alec Burks shooting a career high forty percent from three, thirty eight percent on his career. Uh, kind of fills that combo guard role we were looking for when we when we traded out quickly. And the point that you made was key. We do that. We do that all without giving up a, a single first rounder. So now we have up to seven first rounders and swaps that we can still use this summer. You know, to go towards a uh, 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 max level player if we decide to do so. We could put together a competitive uh, package. We have tradable players, and more important than that, in this season, we got a lineup that you know, when healthy, runs eleven deep. And mm. now Tibbs has the moves to, you know, we shuffle however he sees fit two through nine outside outside of Brunson to get the players who, you know, are are performing the best for for that situation that we're in at that time. Um, it feels real mid nineties Knicks-ish. I'm not gonna lie, you know, where yeah, grinding. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, we the entire roster can can grind you down. So. So I, I'm in, I'm definitely excited for for what the Knicks did. I think they they made the most pronounced moves on the trade deadline. I will say this: if I I I critiqued Terry Rozier a couple weeks ago uh, for his first few games with with the Heat. Uh, we're tipping off our second game with the Rockets here shortly. We play on Monday, but um, you know, Bogey and Alec Burks. You know, the numbers look good. Intensity wise, they looked a little bit like they were still playing for the Pistons on Saturday night, you know. Listen, so it's man. gonna take them a little bit to get that intensity up to what we're looking for. You but freed all them. All, we you did. Free, you freed them from Detroit, man. Give them time to settle in, man. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, once they settle in, you know, a month from now, I think we'll be. I think we'll be looking great. So yeah, I think the Knicks. I think the Knicks ace this uh, this trade deadline. Yeah, and I think for me, what stands out is exactly what you said in the beginning half of your take is that they didn't give up too much at all they really stole it if if you want to be honest they didn't give up too much and the pieces fit uh every piece they got i just was like wow that makes sense like that makes sense it wasn't anything that was glaring it it made sense and they didn't have to give up anything for it now i laugh when you were talking about you know the rotation because you know tibbs tib has a six-man rotation man that's about it so i do wonder how um when it comes, you know, towards the playoff time, because that's what you guys are doing, and you guys are making a push for the playoffs. You see an opening, you see your window is now, and you're taking it. And applaud, applaud you guys for being aggressive and doing that. I just wonder how that rotation is gonna come out uh, when it comes to playoff times. But you know, we'll see what happens there. Lou, in regards to 
the Knicks and the moves they make, did you see anything that kind of stood out for you? You know, I I think it was great. Bogdanovich is probably the, the greatest pickup, I think, for them quietly uh, and, and bringing another a big that can shoot. Uh, and then some kind of just like some instant type of offense they can get off the bench um, and and then be somewhat decent on defense as well, especially when, you know, we're gearing up to wait for Randall kid to get back. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that helps them. I mean, and realistically looking at the depth of the Knicks right now, they're putting themselves in prime position to contend with with Milwaukee with Boston. So, I mean, they're really looking to make their push. And then with, with Embiid being out, you know, why not load up to try to solidify your place above them um, in terms of seeding going as you prefer the, the playoff time, you know, second half of the, se- the season is here. So, you know, everybody's turning it up a notch. So I think the Knicks, man, they, they've, they've really, they really found a way to to put all the pieces together. This is a uh, real angel like real Mikhail like, so uh, what their front office has been doing. So uh, with chagrin, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued on what the Knicks are doing. And yeah, I'm saying that this team has probably been the best Knicks team since before the turn of the century. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and not even to be facetious, I think this is probably the best thing that they've had since probably like 99. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how, how, how it goes. And um, if they really can, can turn it up that notch and, and make a deep playoff run. But yeah, they're definitely loading up for it. So keeping it on the East and Lou, since you mentioned it, we'll start it off with you talked about the Sixers and the Bucks. So they actually had a little transaction, which was surprising to me. Competitors in the East, the top competitors as well, arguably, and they're making trades with each other during the trade deadline. So we have the Milwaukee Bucks. They received Patrick Beverly from the 76ers for a campaign and a 2027 second round pick. Yeah, I... Did not see that coming. Where do you take yeah. that? Two teams, I mean, same yeah. conference, top. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, does Milwaukee need any more shooters? Probably not. Um, so, what they're looking for is one of the things they've been lacking so far is defense. And, you know, having somebody like Patrick Beverly, I think, fits perfectly for them and um, what they're trying to do in terms of shoring up the defensive side of the ball. You know, that's another great, another great defensive player to put by um, uh, the the Nashes on the floor. So, you know, when you have um, <laughs> guys like, <laughs> hey man, I saw Euro the other man. day. That Euro you saw the Sham God. The Sham God, the Sham God. Bro, the the Sham Sham God. God. Hey, look, you know, he's going. He, he's he's uh earning his keep. Listen, man, and then it's the turnover. That's her. He's going to end next door soon. Oh, man. <laughs> but I think that Philly, I, I'm not sure what Philly was particularly thinking about here, unless they're like, hey, we need some more firepower. Cameron Payne is a defense, decent the defensive player. Um, certainly gives you more offense, um, more shooting ability than Patrick Beverly. But, um, you know, from, from some of the stuff that I've been hearing and or reading in terms of the the team, the locker room for, for Philadelphia, Patrick Beverly has kind of made himself a cornerstone of their defense. So with him being gone, I'm going to be uh, curious to see, you know, what, what that then means moving forward uh, for, for them as a team, how they look on the defensive side. I mean, not that they've had a particular issue with that this season, but with Embiid being out, you know, I would assume they would want to keep as many uh, of our hard-nosed defenders on the floor. So I think out of that, Milwaukee definitely won. 
that trade. And we'll, you know, we'll see we'll see what what happens moving forward. But um, I think those two teams are still trying to figure out what their identity is. One because you know, Philadelphia with Embiid being out, so they're gonna have to figure out how to retool and how to assess their offense. So that's likely you know why they brought in Payne. And um, like I said, Milwaukee has to hemorrhage. Uh, they have to stop the hemorrhaging when it comes to to the defensive side. Outscoring people isn't going to be the end all be all for for how you um have a, a true con- championship contending contending team. So kudos to the next other teams. Uh, man, we'll we'll see how it pans out for them. Um, especially like I said, back half of the season, everybody's gearing up to to kind of solidify what their position will be in the playoffs. So. Facts, facts. So, Ev, man, what are, what are you seeing? What's the rationale behind letting go of Pat Bev? Well, Especially at this time, given that Joel's going to be gone for a couple weeks. You know, you need a defensive anchor, somebody to leech on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, what do you think? Do you think that was a little concession from Philly, basically saying that this year may not be it? No, but what I, I think it was is you got to remember that they brought in Buddy Hield as well. And you got to remember that De'Anthony Melton has been hurt. Um, so I think they look at it as they get they get him back soon. You bring Buddy Hield into the fold. And so between them and Maxie, who's, who's obviously blossoming, that's who's going to get the, the lion's share of your guard minutes. I think that you get Buddy Hield acclimated, you hope that Embiid makes it back before the playoffs and you try to recreate some of that chemistry that Embiid had with Seth Curry uh, two, three years ago before they traded him to Brooklyn. Uh, you try to recreate some of that with Buddy Hill. So I think I think that was their, that was their mindset. You know, Pat Beverly, yeah, he brings you intangibles uh, from a from a defensive intensity standpoint. Um, but you know he he's got a podcast. I don't want any smoke, but if 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 Why not? Let's go. Is, listen, man. I you know you know I'm in I'm in a I'm in a mode of zen right now. Um, <laughs> if 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 Pat Beverly is is getting a large percentage of your on the court guard minutes, um, there's a shelf life on that, and so I think he served his role for Philly from a beginning of the season culture setting standpoint. And I think that's what he'll do with Milwaukee now. Um, as you see, what you, you saw the memes and stuff where it was like, he's been there five minutes, you know, he's and he's coaching already, right? Uh, that's exactly what they need right now. They need somebody to bring some defensive accountability. I think he's provided that for Philly already. And so now, okay, let's get somebody in here who can actually play play the game of basketball for twenty to thirty minutes. So, okay. no, no, no shade, Pat, but you know, that, that's <laughs> not that, that's not getting it done playoff time. I mean, you're right, you're right. We want all the smoke, man. We don't we don't run from it over here. Um, but yeah, it was it was surprising. I guess just given that they're both contenders, but also do get your point. Buddy Hill is there, although Buddy's not defensively, um, you know, as stout as Patrick Beverly is, but he does bring a different dimension to it. Um, I just wonder with uh, MB being gone and, you know, just it being kind of a little rocky right now, if that's not going to add any more disruption to it, right? But you are right. You can only go so far with Pat Beverly as your starting guard. Um, I will only get you... 
That only gets you. I was just gonna say you're missing you're missing 36 points a game. You need you need to recover yeah. that more than than you need somebody yeah. that's an agitator yeah. and point guard. Right. No, you're not. You're definitely not wrong at all. All right, yo. So those were the two big ones, but there were some other teams that made some moves as well too. So I want to hear you guys' take, uh, and you guys can go however you want to. I'll let you guys talk about, but. The Mavs did make some, you know, interesting moves. Um, the Mavs received P.J. Washington, and they also added, um, I want to know who he got. Daniel Gafford from the It was a Wizards. pick. Okay, yeah. I wanted to see if it was a, if there was a pick or Rashawn Holmes as well. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wasn't sure if it was just, a pick or for somebody else. So what do you think? It was a, basically the Mavericks received Daniel Gafford and the Wizards received Rashawn Holmes in a 2024 first round pick from the Mavs via the Thunder. So it has to go via the Thunder as well. So the Mavs are kind of making moves as well to kind of solidify their core. Their biggest Achilles heel though, hasn't necessarily been talent, but been availability. Uh, Kyrie hasn't been on the court. Uh, he's been dealing with some knickknack injuries there. Luca had a little injuries as well too. So does this move give them the solidified six seed maybe <laughs> in the West, given how contested the West is? Does this move the needle? Or is it just more of the same for the for the Mavs? I'm sorry, given that the Suns are surging, even Golden State is playing better right now, seven of three over the last 10. The Lakers are playing better as well too. Does this really move the needle? Does it do the same for the Mavs? Or are they just destined to be that six through eight kind of squad, if that? I'm gonna give you, you could call it a hyperbole take if you want to. I think these moves make them Mavericks, the scariest team in the West right now. Not even, not right now. The scariest team in the West, period. Here's where I'm coming wow. from with this. Jesus. I will argue is is as great. Get a sip of water. Go ahead, man. My sip, bad. Sip you some water. Listen to me. As great as Shea Gilly has been, as great as, as, as Jokic is, I would argue that Luka Doncic is either the best player or the best playing player in the West right now. You take Daniel Gafford, who is a competent defender, a rim-running center. He's the adult version of Derek Lively, if that makes sense. So you have to about to bring up Lively. So so you now have 48 minutes of exactly what that team needs at the the center position. You take P.J. Washington... P.J. Washington is interesting to me because I, I followed his career since Kentucky. He came behind Julius Randle. Um, I've always considered him kind of a a, a Randle-like type player. Not quite as big, not quite as bulky. A little bit of a better shooter, a little more mm-hmm. of a stretch for. Still has got that that rim-running uh, type type uh, style to him. You can get the ball to him and he could create a basket, right? So now you have P.J. Washington at the four. I think will flourish at the four position uh, on this team because he's not required to do as much, but when the ball gets to him, he can do, he, you know, he can handle his business there. Mm-hmm. Gafford, you got Luca playing the best of his career. You got Kyrie when, when he's healthy, 
playing solid. So now you can run the style of offense that the Mavericks want to play for 48 minutes through either Luka or through Kyrie. You got pieces that fit at the four and five position. And between Tim Hardaway Jr. having a great season at, at the three or as a six man, Josh Green, that's that's growing up. This is this is a West Coast version, I mean a Western Conference version of a team that I think fits now with his pieces. And that's scary to have a team that fits around Luka Doncic. I don't think he's had that since he's been into the league. So I I'm on alert with them to see what they what they look like, what they do in the next in the next six weeks of this season. Yeah. I think also looking at their depth. The depth is kind of scary to, you know, having lively and, and Gafford. To come off the bench and play off each other is crazy, and in some lineups you can probably get off having both of them in the game at the same time. So uh, yeah, they they've 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 put some solid depth. I mean, you still got guy, you still got Morris that's on on the bench. That another guy that can give you some offense. Man. PJ Washington, like yo, know, so I mean, Evan really put it perfectly because now you have a guy who's not who's no longer having to be the second best player on the team. And putting up points and really just be able to ball out uh, freely, and then a guy that you know that can run with both your A and your B team, they're gonna, they 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 have some solid pieces, solid depth, and also a young team, younger team than people really are thinking about. So they're gonna have some time really to build with each other, and don't let Luca and Kyrie be healthy for those next six weeks, because then it's gonna be a long day in the office playing this team. So that was going to be my next comment. Does this team, with the move that they made, right, will it be successful in spite of Kyrie? Because Kyrie's always going to be that X factor, right, given his injury and how he's just, I hate to say it, he's prone to injury. He's been prone to injury throughout his whole career ever since college. So will this, I think, work despite or in spite of Kyrie? Will the Dallas Mavericks kind of have to put contingency plans in place like the Clippers are doing, right? Let's get these stars in place because we know most likely all of them are not going to be healthy when it comes towards the end of the season. So do you guys think that this move will still allow them to be successful if Kyrie does go down? Now, granted, I think because I think it will just because Tim Hardaway seems to play a lot better. He plays a lot better when Kyrie is not there, the spacing is better. It's still, of course, Luka driving it, but it works better for him. Tim Hardaway Jr., you get more out of him. So I think it does. But before we move on to the next segment, do you guys think it works? Let's say Kyrie goes down. Or is Kyrie just needed for them to really, for this lineup to make sense or this move to make sense? I think it creates that Kyrie buffer to where what he has is almost like icing on the cake. Yeah, you can get away with a game with two of him being injured. Yeah. In the playoffs, okay, if he's down two games, you know that you have enough. You yeah. have enough, you know, and the depth is the biggest thing. Like you mentioned about Hardaway. Oh, when Kyrie's there, Hardaway is somebody that can come in and run the second unit. But you have a second mm-hmm. unit with, 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 with Gafford or Lively, with Washington, with Hardaway. Green, yeah, like you know, shooting a career high. I was about to say, well. yeah. my guy from DJJ, man, you know, another guy who will run the floor at the forward position. Uh, so they have enough to kind of keep the to, but I think they have a, a better version, right? A better tooled version than the team they had when they made their last playoff run when they had um right. Brunson and so on. So, last thing, sorry, 
don't mean to stay too long. Do you think they're going to hurt defensively for losing Grant Williams? Yes or no? Quit with the jokes, man. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. <laughs> Did you hear what Grant Williams said today? Uh, what did he say? Mm, what did he say? Uh, something to the effect of like uh, he he was happy. Uh, he was happy winning with Charlotte because they play with the, they play for the name on the front of their jersey, not the name on the back of their jersey. Ooh. Maybe a slight, maybe a slight to Luca and spicy, Dallas. spicy. Got it, got it. In reading in between the lines, I'll get more playing time in Charlotte than I will get in Dallas. Got it. Cool. All Go. right. So five seconds. Five seconds. Low key. Good move for Charlotte as well, though. They need some agitators in their in they lineup. I don't know They've if I agree because been... I don't know what Charlotte's doing. I think they're the team I said that's playing Monopoly or Hungry Hungry Hippos or uh, Connect Four. Trouble. Uh, they're playing Trouble. Trouble. Risk. They need, they, need a couple <laughs> people, they need a couple people that care. So I, I'm not. Need a I'm front not, office. Who cares? I hated it the time it was. I hated it when the trade was made. <laughs> I don't hate it as much right now, but yeah, you're you're right as well. I'm sorry. Continue, sir. You're good. Sticking on the West Coast. Some say it's the best coast. That's up for debate. We have some teams who didn't make any moves, who said, you know what? We're fine. We're good. Who cares that there's smoke all around us and the house looks like it's burning down? We're good here. Everything's fine. Top of mind, got the Lakers, got the Warriors. And uh, did anybody really? Okay, so I'll say the Lakers are worse. Some people are saying Denver because they weren't competent or they weren't confident in their young bench saying that, you know what, they still need to make up Jeff and Bruce not being there. But I still think Denver's fine. They are where they are. I think the biggest names in the West that we were expecting to make some moves were, of course, the Lakers, Golden State Warriors, because, you know, Wiggins was being floated out there. Um, people were talking about Clay, which they weren't going to trade Clay. That contract is freaking huge, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we're going to start off with, you know, the marquee team, the Lakers. I love so, the <laughs> <laughs> The Lake show, you know, the Lakers, they didn't make any moves. They said, you know what, as presently constructed, and given what's out there right now, they felt it was best for them to just stay pat. If they didn't make any moves, they'll be in the offseason during the summer. What do you guys think? Was this the move? Is this the squad that's going to take us? Now, wait. They did make one move. They did make one move. Then Witty. Then Witty was, was acquired. So we'll, we'll say that. The new big three. Yes, yes. We saw the poster, man. They're out here. They're out here. That's going to move. For them, I guess. So they did make that. Spencer Dinwiddie, and Christian Wood back together again from the Brooklyn days. Hey, man, I I I thought they were going to go get Simmons. Why not? Hey, listen. Go get get the Aussie. Ben Ben wants to play. He wants to start. He said he he deserves to be a starting player. Make it happen on the the Lakers. Lakers. I think Darvin Ham will do it. I think Darvin Ham will make Ben Simmons start. He could fit it, Charles. Three. Y'all can just. point guard. Y'all can just. Shut your mouth. Just shut, shut, shut your mouth. <laughs> I'm just uh, saying, man. You don't the, think he should Australian be a starting Mamba? point guard? No. no. Listen, so the Australian was, as the, the next LeBron at one point, as the house Laker fan of this podcast, okay, I will just say 
I'll just read these words from our GM, Rob Polinka, that kind of describes this whole trade deadline thing for us, okay? He said, quote, you can't buy a house that's not for sale. Okay. So if there's no deal out there that makes sense for the Lakers, then why even go make it if it's not going to help the team? That's sound. That's sound. But here's my thing, too. When your residents of your current house are looking and uh, lusting at other houses and, you know, the whole grass is green on the other side and are causing a little turbulence in, in your current residence, that's how we keep your, your metaphor going, one can't help but look to see if other, you know, houses are available or may, may be for sale. But here's my question, though. Here's my question. Given how the West is basically different from last year, it's not last year's West. A couple of teams are stronger. How confident, and Christian, I'm asking you, how confident are you in the Lakers as presently constructed to make a title run? It's staying pat, which sometimes, you know, the best move is not making a move, right? In life, sometimes, you know, not making a move may be the best thing for you to, to do. So how confident are you guys with your squad presently constructed with the addition of Mr. Dinwiddie to make a title run? I don't want to take up most of our time here on this episode. So I'll just, I'll just leave it with this. Be very quick about it. I don't see a team out there that the Lakers can't compete against other than the Denver Nuggets when they actually want to try. And that's the key. That's the keywords when the Lakers want to try, because when they're actually focused and want to defend and do all the things that they need to do, they look great. They look like one of the best teams in the NBA. And we saw that in the in-season tournaments, and we saw that against Boston. We saw that against the New York Knicks. There are a lot of instances throughout the season that the Lakers actually turn up and they become focused and play well to the best of their ability. And if they play like that, then there's not really a team that I can see that they can't beat other than the Denver Nuggets because it's just, again, it's just matchup problems with them. Want to make a comparison real quick. I know um I know the good brother P Diddy is in a lot of uh trouble right now and it may not be popular to bring him up but I I'm gonna bring the him good up. Good brother? Mm, I mean, <laughs> you know. But listen, listen. The the brother P Diddy in Christ, Combs, in okay? Christ, the brother man, in, Christ. in Christ, all right. In Christ, man. In Christ you know, his oh, name was, I, I thought I thought his, I thought his name was Love now. It is oh, Love. But I, well, you know. I'm not okay. Okay. <laughs> Before I go too far, yeah, man. Those, you remember those when like shambles? You you remember when Diddy made them kids walk to Brooklyn to get some cheesecake mm-hmm. and bring it back to him? I feel like that's what LeBron did to D'Angelo Russell and them boys during this whole trade season with all the innuendo of what he might want and, and making them prove themselves. But let me. Let me tell you something. D'Angelo Russell walked to Brooklyn and he went and got that cheesecake, okay? And he brought it back to Diddy Brian James, okay? <laughs> Trey season Russell may have changed the trajectory. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold yes. on. We can't just gloss over the fact. Are you saying, Evan, that, that LeBron Diddy, got these LeBron. LeBron got D'Lo and Rui to face off each other and do a sing-off? 
in order to yeah, stay yes. at the house. Yes, like day 26. Yes. And D'Angelo Russell said, although we've come <laughs> wow. to the end. He's like, and his yeah, feet, he said, he said yes. at, the, this, at the end of this road, I will not be traded again. He did. Yeah, I traded wow. me yeah. once from the Lakers. He I will not, not trade me again. twice. That is exactly what happened. Part of my singing on this podcast. But um, D'Lo's playing great. We'll see how long it lasts. Austin Reeves has been playing great. We don't speak about he, him on Black History Month. Thank you. Hey, listen. Yeah, I feel you. I feel you. Listen. <laughs> listen. All right? Austin to Sean Reeves? Blood, talking blood, about pressure, blood pressure cuff Reeves. Okay. <laughs> all right. Playing great. Make you question why they haven't been a doing this all season, too, starting in the backcourt all season. But I say, I, I say all that to say, I kind of do agree with the Lakers from this standpoint. DeJounte Murray wasn't wasn't the answer. No. Now, what you could possibly say is that this this pressure, this focus on DeJounte Murray may have caused them to miss out on some other subsidiary moves that could have that could have helped stabilize them a little more. But it really comes down to your top three players. And their top three players have been basically healthy all season. Anthony nice. Davis, LeBron James, and Austin Reeves. And if D'Angelo wants to be the fourth player in the list, all right, great. That's your top four players. Switch Y'all either got to step up or not. D'Lo's been better than again. Austin. D'Lo's been better than Austin. He's been number I'm three. I'm about to say D'Lo, yeah. D'Lo's, D-Lo's been better than Austin, but, but Austin Reeves is supposed to be your third best player. No, so that I've never, even more I've, I've never agreed. Saying. I've never agreed to that to that mindset. Okay. I, I've always thought Dio is the, the third best player on that team. I won't fight you on that. Between those four, though, y'all should have which y'all which y'all need to be better. So, I understand not making a move that would have been a lateral move, and those four stepping up. And this summer, y'all have an extra pick now. Y'all can trade three picks if you want to. Which listen. Every member of Lakers media in the world, like trade deadline ended at three. Y'all couldn't wait to 307 to start pointing out the Lakers will not have three draft picks that they can go after uh Donovan Mitchell, Trey Young, and other major stars. We we appreciate it, West Coast Media. Y'all have made your point known. You saw now that you saw that article. Season. You saw that you saw that report I sent you earlier today, right? About Trey Listen. Young. You were not the first oh, one. Yeah, to yeah right. I was say. But Trey Young's yeah. always, always, every single year, always a trade piece. Talk. But it would it's make just... sense why they were so like being bullish about trading Dejounte and asking the asking price being so high. Maybe they do want so, to stay with Dejounte over over Trey. But why do you think these asking prices are always so high for the Lakers? I don't think they're getting rid of Trey Young for Dejounte Murray. They're not doing it. Because it's a conspiracy, Evan. That's why. It's a conspiracy oh, around the league uh, since the Chris Paul trade in 2012 when the Lakers traded for Chris Paul for Pau Gasol Lamar Odom on a three-team trade that was hexed by the league because they got letters from Dan Gilbert and Mark Cuban, among other owners, to for the league to step in. Why and is that? this trade because they're, they have to because they're jealous. Well, what, what about that trade made the Lakers so scary? Chris Paul, Kobe Bryant, and having cap space to go and get Dwight Howard. It was the cap space, bro. They that's, had enough money a, to legit yeah. go get another 
superstar. Okay, uh, so yeah, we so we so we should be we should be docked for for being a good team and having no, uh and be smart about look, it. Look, New Orleans shouldn't have been owned by the NBA at that time. Sorry. So the, the, the NBA gave the NBA gave their GM the power to make any trade they wanted for the team. And then they go they back fall, on bro. their they go back on their word after that, that? That's because, because of because it's, they're reasons. the owner they're the owner they can choose what the GM does or don't the because they, the they other owners complained about it they, they they exercise their power as an owner because the other NBA owners complained about it if right. if there, if there was another person if you own the team you you could have told the NBA f you I'm the owner. This is what I do. But since the NBA owned the team at the time, <laughs> believe believe me, I'm I'm in I'm in I'm in the camp of I thought the Lakers should have sued the NBA after them asking <laughs> the deal to do what we bet, sued them we for bet what? you are in that camp, sir. Yeah, yeah, we're not surprised to win. <laughs> you 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 would have you would have contributed to the GoFundMe. Yeah, he would have cried. The lawyer fees that definitely. Right. Definitely would have would have sent them a, a twenty a twenty oh, for sure. Could you uh, no, like, you no. know when they need to go around for campaigns? Where's Gloria already at? Where's Gloria already? And the old people be signing <laughs> checks and sending them in the mail. Listen, would have been sent, uh, happily I dropping know. it off at the the little mail drop had off. Had, he would have had his clipboard out there talking about. Yeah. Listen, I need you to sign this petition. <laughs> we're, we're going out here door to door this league. <laughs> Hi, we're with the uh, (laughs) the NBA regulation department. We need 5,000 signatures so that we can go forward with a lawsuit against the other 29 teams of the NBA. Yes, sue them for antitrust. Antitrust. Sue them. Wow. Right. Oh, man. That's wild. That's wild. Okay, here's, okay. Here's my thing. Here's my thing, man. I've brought this up before, and maybe it's just me taking the societal role. Maybe I'm classist. I don't care. Call me what you want. Boo who? Okay. <laughs> Coming from a small market team. You classist boo, motherfucker. Who? Call, call it what you want. Call it what you want. Y'all here eating caviar. We're here PB and J. Okay. Listen, listen, man. Listen, no one, no one, no put a gun to your head to root for the Blazers. I'm from the first free black nation, okay, on this earth. You know what we did when we got our freedom? You know what we did? Our custom is to have soup jumo, okay? Best soup in the world. Fight me if you want to, okay? Hey, Fight hey. me if you want to. And you know why we chose to have that delicacy of a soup? It's because those who were in power said that soup was just for them. It was just for the upper echelon. It was just mm-hmm. for the rich folk, those who have mm-hmm. money. You know what we mm-hmm. did when we got our freedom? Everybody gets soup. Mm-hmm. Everybody. In the you know streets. The, exactly. And you know what the Baby. Lakers are doing? They're trying to hoard the soup. <laughs> they don't want everybody getting the soup. They don't want everybody to win. They don't want no competition. They're trying to put their hands on the scales of competition. Yeah, we live Shout in a out. capitalist country. Doggy exactly. dog That's world. That's the problem. Doggy That's dog problem. world. That's the problem. We see where you lean, sir. We see where you lean. <laughs> you don't support the democracy. You don't support the republic. We see where you lean. It's a democracy. <laughs> no, no. You said it's a dog eat dog. I just want to keep getting fat off your big market Hollywood money. 
We're not majority, here. For it. Majority voted for y'all to not get Chris Paul. That's a that's, that's a, a, a I didn't know the majority. Work. I didn't know the majority Look. had a say. Look, all See? I knew was that Look you should have showed up for the special election. Y'all only that's showed that. up for the general election. Look, right? it's antitrust. Years, years of thumbing your nose at every other market. This is what happens. It comes okay, back to bite so you. Okay, so then you all agree then that there is now a certain aura around the Lakers that the that the rest of the league don't like. The only teams that actually do business with us is the Wizards. Those are the worst. The Wizards and. Uh, I don't even know who else. Like, who else? Who else? Who else has done more more things with the Lakers in the last like three years? The okay, Wizards. This is with you guys. Maybe. Yeah. New Orleans yeah, has done a bit. New Orleans has done a bit. Yeah. Post oh, New Orleans CP3. was forced. Yeah, New Orleans was forced to do it. There's another. Yeah, I mean, said they were forced to do it because yeah. AD was. You know what's funny? You know what's funny about the AD trade is that one of the picks that we sent them, they drafted Jackson Hayes with one of those picks. <laughs> <laughs> He's the yeah. Wow. See how you laughing, bully. Yeah, man. But nah, listen. Man. Ten years later, still ways. still picking on New Orleans. Listen to listen to how this story came full circle. Right. Fifteen years ago, you tried to force New Orleans to give you Chris Paul. And so ten we? years later, force it's the New least Orleans they could do. Yeah. to give you they just, David. They could have just given us Chris Paul and just called it this cold in an era. Y'all ain't learned nothing. They could have just given us Chris Paul and called it an era. They didn't have to. You, then the AD thing would never happen. Just keep getting richer, man. That's Right. Exactly. That's all it is. That's the definition of a bully, right there. Yeah. It's called karma. Karma. That's funny. Everything comes man, back it, around. Your team you is in Alicia Chris Keys. Paul? Relax. We'll take AD in in four years, in, in six and then, years. And then you mad about Buddy Hill because y'all couldn't get the price y'all wanted for Buddy Hill. So y'all could have forced Sacramento to give y'all Buddy Hill. So, so, so then you so want to try to get the Pacers to give y'all Buddy Hill. The Lakers have to give up two first round bullies, man. Two first round bullies. Y'all try to steal this man from two teams. The Lakers have to give up two first round picks for for Turner and Buddy Hill. Then the Sixers could get Buddy Hill for all seconds. I'm noticing I'm noticing patterns with y'all, okay? Yeah, yeah, zero in. Yeah, me too. I've been noticing a lot of patterns. So anyone could get these uh, anyone could get these players for expiring contracts and second round picks, except the Lakers, they gotta throw them the first. Listen, man, I can't have it both ways, bro. Y'all gotta nope. struggle somewhere. Y'all gotta struggle somewhere. I'm just glad like, you guys I, are I agreeing with me finally. Like, I'm just, I'm just yeah. glad you guys agree that there's a conspiracy out there against the Lakers. We well, never oh, agreed there's a conspiracy. We just said that, you know. I agree that life is happening. It sucks. It. We just want to give you the platform to express your privileged yeah, frustration. You know, okay, in real life, you know, in real life, where you have these owners of these big corporations who avoid taxes, right? You know, your Bezos, um, you know, uh, Elon Musk. Bombers. Yeah, there you go. Like, yeah, they don't they don't pay taxes, right? Joe Wake um, because yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, but you gotta get taxed somewhere else in life. Okay. You gotta get taxed somewhere else in life. All right. And historically speaking, the way they're taxed is certain things that we as commoners can do, they can't do, right? The way they live there, we have some freedoms to do. We can walk in certain places, do certain things, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it, it works out for them because they got money. That's how it is for y'all, man. Y'all gotta pay a tax somewhere. Y'all gotta pay a tax somewhere. Right. No, I agree. And they the, there should be a tax against these big conglomerates, right? And they should leave the mom and pop shops alone. Oh, family-owned businesses. 
Lord, here we go. Like your mom and pop shop now? The <laughs> Lakers? Your mom and pop shop now? Yeah, we're family-owned business. Jesus. All right. Okay. So are the Yankees. I'm with you, yeah. sir. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. The elitists. Elitists unite. You're going to do your little fission thing. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. <laughs> oh, gosh. Anywho. The American dream, up. boy. I'm fed up with these guys. The American dream. Lou, we need some soup. I know, right? <laughs> we need some soup. All right. So, Lakers. Makes sense, though. My... My concern with the Lakers is honestly what Christian is saying. Historically speaking, if you don't put in the work and get those reps of playing at the high level during the regular season, it typically doesn't work out for you. Also, what does it say about your team or your personnel that LeBron has to have these antics in order to motivate your team? What does that say? Because you can't pull those antics uh, when it comes to the playoffs, right? Or is LeBron betting on himself, which historically it's not a bad bet that he'll put them on his shoulder and glide them through the difficult series on sheer brute force and intellect of his own. I think it's a gamble either way. At the end of the day, I'm not mad that the Lakers didn't make any moves because if we're just talking from a foreign office kind of aspect, what move is out there that's going to push the needle? And the Hawks weren't going to come off anybody significant like Trey Young. Like if it was a Trey Young, you know what I'm saying? If it was like, hey, Trey Young for okay, make that happen. Like make that happen. But it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. So there's some other teams that are struggling and what are we saying about these? We got you your Toronto. You got your um Utah. You got your Orlando's. What do we talk about the middle pack teams? Well what about them? Chicago didn't make a move. They said basically, yeah. well, it Utah is what sent, it is. Utah sent Kelly Olenek. Oh. They did send Kelly Olenek. Yeah, I, I was... And Agbaje to Toronto. Yeah, to yeah. Toronto for Otto, Otto Porter. Porter and Q. Yep. Yeah. I, will, I was surprised because I'm not sure what they're trying to do. And I thought that if anybody, they would try to do some business with, um, they would potentially try to do some business with... Um, with OKC, um, hmm. I thought that might have been because if for, I'm OKC uh, for Giddy I, or, I, yeah, I try I try to go for Lori. If you remember, oh. I was saying about yo, Bertans, they, they you know what I mean they they got Bertans up out of there, and if you remember earlier uh, in the season, I was like, man, if I'm OKC, I try to move Giddy, I try to move Bertans, and I try to go for Lori. You with know. the first round picks that they're hoarding anyway, so yeah, so but I mean, the they, first round picks, yeah, for... so okay, you go get you go get Gordon Hayward, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean, like you already you gave up, you gave up, man, you gave up Bertans, you gave up uh, Mid uh, Mitchich or you know Mid uh, yeah Mitch Mid Mitchich or whatever, Mitchich, yeah. so, and then I think draft draft picks. Why not go for my? Why not make a solid push for Laurie? Utah isn't gonna make a deep run, so. I mean, I think Lori would be great, you know, especially for because Giddy has been kind of it's fallen off in terms of being quiet for his team. So, but we'll see what Utah is really trying to do. I, I, I'm expecting these teams that have been quiet now, as soon as the off season comes, for them to start making big moves, especially like those that don't make the playoffs. You know, I looked at that, probably look to see 
to make them uh they'll probably look to make some moves pretty much off the rip once their season is over or whatever they're allowed to but that yeah that that move by OKC was interesting to me I'm curious as to what where they see next because I'm not gonna lie I thought Gordon Hayward was, was cooked so yeah so you mentioned two teams I I I, I said quickly on Utah. Them, I, I truly don't understand because this is the second season in a row where they've been in play in contention and have punted on what the NBA has designed as an opportunity for you to get into the playoffs that didn't exist. So even if you your team isn't in position to compete for a championship, to punt on a chance to even make the playoffs when you're right there in position I don't understand that. From OKC's standpoint, my first take on a on a Hayward trade, I didn't quite understand it, but I, I listened to some, I read some things, and I, I tried to defend what they did in, in this way. A lot of folks were saying they need to get a big. A lot of folks were saying they needed to do something, you know, altering, like bring somebody prominent in. If they love their identity right now, I want to maximize their identity. Um, I can respect them not going to make a move that would alter their identity by bringing in somebody that they'd have to shift what they're doing to fit that person in. You bring in a person like Gordon Hayward that y'all know how I feel about, about Josh Giddy, just from a basketball standpoint, I've been saying from the beginning of the season, they should trade him because he's a liability. Ultimately he can't shoot. That's not going to work come playoff time. You bring in a player like Gordon Hayward that can at least do the versatile things that Josh Giddy does, move the ball, uh, play that playmaking role, and is at least a respectable enough shooter that when he gets the ball in the corner, the defense, the defender is going to run out there versus stand and watch him shoot. And you bring him in, and he's he's filling that role as a reserve player, not somebody that you're like, I have to invest into if that makes sense right it's an expensive role and, player bro you well, 30 he's mil an, he's for that. but he's an expiring contract versus you I have times for a couple more years and the players that they gave up weren't playing trey man had lost out in the rotation the case on wallace and isaiah Joe. Yep. Um, that Davis Bertans, I mean, if, if, if he's played this season, it's been, it's been, you know, little, little smidges of spurs. So they That's really didn't the give contract. away. Yeah. Yeah. So from a, from a tradable contract to potentially get another large contract standpoint. Yeah. They gave away that option with, with Bertans, but if they go to get a player of that mold in the future, they'll have to consolidate some of their talented players anyway. And even with the picks, that's what's going to put them at the front of the line and bringing in somebody when they consolidate some of that depth that they have. So I can I can see the argument, although to your point, yeah, Gordon Hayward the last few years, I mean, he's been hurt a lot. But, you know, maybe getting out of Charlotte, it's just some, some folks get healthy when they got something they're playing for, you know, so we'll see. Yeah, I mean, this is the last year of his contract again at 30 mil. And I think he got like a trade bonus as well, like another mil. But um, net, net, I think it, OKC took on, I think, another $4 million. Bertans was at 17. Man was about at five or six. And Mitchich was around seven. So, yeah, net, net, they're, they're, I mean, they only tacked on another four mil. 
But um, the the good thing about it is, is you know, the, his ex, his contract expires this year, so they can look to see what else they'll do to free up that that cap space. But yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I don't know if OKC is a championship team right now, and I don't know if Gordon necessarily helps move that needle. Uh, but getting rid of those other contracts is 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 helpful. But yeah, if I had to put a possibility, and it, it seemed like Utah, who's aloof, <laughs> and is just in la la land, just happy to be here. Uh, yeah, I definitely would have. I would. I would. I would at least offer some. And you know, maybe that happened in the background. I know he knows, but I didn't made a push for a guy like for like Lori for sure, because Lori on that team, I, I that would be kind of scary uh, to have somebody as good as Lori. Gordon, do, do I think Gordon is uh, defensively? He's probably better, you know, than what you would get out of Laurie, but or the upside on offensively. But I also if think you said though, Laurie is untouchable, though. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I think they feel like they'd probably get more Laurie. They could, yeah, on the off season if that's a move to be made. Also, OKC's Achilles here right now is their inexperience and in youth. And although Gordon hasn't been playing well recently, he does have experience. So I think he could bring that to the locker room to kind of help guide them in that sense of a kind of like a locker room connector in that mm-hmm. sense. I do agree with you just off put. I thought that was an expensive as well too. I was like, okay, they're taking that on. But at the end of the day, like Evan mentioned, it is an expiring contract. So it's something that will be off their books pretty much soon. Um, and I... I think it shores them up. It doesn't move the needle too much. It just kind of they're doubling down basically on what they're doing thus far. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. I am. I'm interested to see how far they get this offseason. I'm interested to see. Um, you know, every every year there's a team that just takes that leaps right and and surprises everybody and and and, and gets there. So I'm interested to see how much of a leap they're going to take this offseason compared to to last year and you know what's the surprise that's that's going to come out the west so and it it might be them so cool before we uh close it out any closing remarks you guys from uh the deadline or anything that you guys saw that stood out to you before we close it out i got a question i won't hold it against you just your gut right now just cuz lou when lou said he doesn't believe in OKC or something to that to that extent to make it out as a championship team. Yeah, as a championship team. With what with what has transpired the last couple of weeks, who do you have the most confidence in in the West right now? The team out of Colorado, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, um, I'm right there. It's going to be Denver than the Clippers for me, because at the end of the day, uh, Denver, their hiccups has not been nearly as huge as everybody else's missteps that they've had. And also compared to other teams, as far as movements of players, they haven't had too much turbulence. They haven't brought in or taken anything away that has forced them to redefine or change their system. Their system has stayed pat. So that's an advantage that they have over most of the teams in the West. So Mm -hmm. even the Clippers, they've added James Harden. So they've had to tune their system. They've had to kind of define their style of play and things of that nature. So, um, And see, Michael Porter Jr. play increases play in terms of you playing better. That's something I'm like, okay, that's that's not good for other teams. He's stepping up this year. That is not good for other teams. So having guys like 
Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., these guys really didn't take their games to the next level on top of what they've already done last year. Is Their starting five is going to be very difficult to run with. And then there are other pieces that they have on the bench that are that are solid, that are keeping them going. So, yeah, it's it's going to be... It's going to be tough to beat them. They, To me, they're reminiscent of the Chiefs right now. There's, everything that they have is uh, is being consistent in, in between from their coaching to their own floor style of play. And, and like Christian mentioned, they give a lot of people matchup issues. And then when 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 Joke is still hitting those shots the way he's hitting those shots, it's, it's tough. It's tough. Because it's like, what do you do? Other than you bring him beat. In Philly, of course, but you bring him B to the game. I do think Denver's the right answer. I worry a little bit about the we'll be ready come playoff time because we've done it already attitude. Although they do show up for the big games. Um, I worry a little bit about the we pick when we show up switch but- type thing. And Here's my thing. I'm just saying, that. I think they're the right answer. I just worry about it a little bit. But and I think that's only going to be a game, though. Mm. Does that make sense? I I don't think that's going to be a series. I think that's going to be a similar when the Lakers, right? Remember when the Lakers had their run um, and they had that whole, you know, we get there, we've done it already. They get kicked in the mouth for like a game and they're like, oh, okay, crap, we got to play. Yeah, they got to they got to get themselves back into it. like okay. I see I see that last in the game now unless they run into a matchup problem. But the team I think that matches up well with them, they're not going to play in the first round. And that's the Clippers because the Clippers mm-hmm. have defenders who can guard Jamal, who can like you got Kawhi, PG, like so you have defenders who can kind of guard these guys. So they're not going to run into them in the first round. And I'm interested no. in what the conversation around Dallas is four weeks mm. from now. True. You know, my. The thing with Dallas, as great as they look on paper, they are still, to me, and this may just be the eye test, are a team of individual play still, reminiscent of their better versions of James Harden teams, is basically what I'm saying. James Harden with Houston and so on. So, uh, great, Lucas is a phenomenal player. Yes, he does, affects the game gets these guys involved, but it still feels very individualistic. So we'll see how far it actually takes them. And I think that's probably one of their biggest issues why they haven't gone over the hump. Gotcha. All right, guys. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate it. As always, you can tune in to our overtime segment on YouTube if you do want additional content. Thank you. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next time. What can I say? Mamba out. The 3 on 3 podcast is hosted by your boy, Lou Ferdinand, Hans Luidor, and Evan Butler-Sands. Produced by Christian Gonzalez. You can follow the 3 on 3 podcast on Twitter and Instagram at the 3 on 3 podcast. You can also email us at the 3 on 3 podcast at gmail.com.